Hello, I am so excited to welcome you today to another edition of Hobology with my husband, Pastor Bryant Pigram. I'm excited because God has used him in a profound way in my own life, and I know as you listen to these podcasts, God's going to use him in a profound way in yours as well. Hopeology is a place where we study the God of all hope through the pages of hope, the Holy Scriptures, to be inspired to live a life of hope by the grace of God. So I hope you found a nice quiet place and I encourage you right now to just take a moment to pray and ask God to help you as you listen through this podcast today, to open up your ears, to help you to hear him, to open up your heart so that you can know him more. Because I believe that God will answer your prayer today. So without further ado, here is Pastor Brian. appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. I'm reading this out of the King James as well. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayers heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Today, as we prepare to go into this message, I want to talk um, to you from this topic in our minds, the season of hope and miracles. The season of hope and miracles. I wanted to stop here right off the bat because this is where we're introduced into what we are in right now, uh, the Christmas season. And what it is about the Christmas season is that the birth of Christ, which is what we're celebrating during this time, it's a season that's filled with hope. It's a season that's filled with miracles. And what I want to do here is to start off right off the bat where you can see when God begins to work in the season where the Lord was born and what we call the Christmas season, you can see that he starts out with a miracle. And what it is, is a lot of times when we see these things, we don't quite see them as miracles. We don't even see it as a demonstration of hope. But I want you to see this as clear as day as we go from here and we go to Mary. You can see that how God, when he's working, everything that he's doing, he's performing miracles, signs, and wonders. Everything he's doing, he's actually giving people hope. Everything he's doing, he's, he's answering something that could be a secret cry of their hearts. But God is moving in a way where he actually is helping people. And this is very important because what it is is sometimes when you think about God, you don't really think about what you project about God, on, onto God. Like in other words, you don't really think about what you think about God. Sometimes you think that God delights in you being hopeless. Sometimes you can make, make you probably think like maybe God doesn't care. But what you can see in this story is that God always has a plan and that maybe his plan is not our plan. Maybe the way we draw it up and the way we want it to work out is not the way he's doing it. But it doesn't mean that God is not faithful. And that's what I want you to see here. Okay. 
So John to Zechariah, he's in the temple. He's burned the incense altar. The angel appears to him on the right side of the altar. Zechariah sees him. He freaks out. You know, he sees the angel. He freaks out in verse 13. He says, but the angel said unto him, fear not, Zechariah. In other words, he told him, hey, don't be afraid. Calm down, man. It's okay. But this, look at this next part, he says. For thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name John. The first thing that the angel does, watch this. The angel doesn't overlook Zachariah's fear. This is the one thing I can tell you about God in terms of just how he works. That God doesn't overlook the things that we feel inside. And as you, if you notice, the angel addressed it. So sometimes what it is, is I was talking to my wife about this before. I said, sometimes you have to be able to, to deal honestly with the things you feel. Typically, what we do is try to ignore what we feel, even though the feelings are there. He had a clear fear. Now, he didn't say anything about the fear, but his fear was obvious. It was obvious to the angel. It was obvious. You know, he probably was shaking. You know what I'm saying? I could see, you know, he's just, you know what I'm saying? He just looked like he about to pass out or something. His eyes spinning in his head. He's like, you know what I'm saying? He's staggering. But the angel, he addresses the fear. And he tells him, hey, calm down. Don't be afraid. It's okay. But then watch this. When he, once he speaks those words, and one of, you have, one of the things you have to understand about the angels, you'll see this like in the Old Testament with Daniel. When the angels speak, they don't just say it as like words that they say to you, that they expect you to listen to them, and then you change. Angels, what happens is they actually walk in the power of God. That means that when they speak, your body actually comes into alignment with their words. In other words, their words actually go into your, your being and then actually make you calm down. Like in other words, it's not like your mind has to think about what the angel is saying and then calm down. The angel's words goes inside of you and actually causes your whole being to calm down. So you can listen to what is being said. If you go back and you look into the book of Daniel, you'll see that's what happened when the angel, when the angel tell him that when he passes out and the angel tells him to be strong. And he says the angels, then it says that uh, Daniel became strong. Then he says, now listen to what I'm saying. And the angel said, then Daniel says he was, his mind was made clear. So he actually could listen to what the angel was saying. So you have to understand that that is how it works. What we think about it is when we say, hey, you know, calm down. We just think the person has to listen to us because that's how we operate in this realm. But that's not how they operate. That's not how God operates. He speaks and then his words come to pass. So that's what happens. So he says, fear not. Calm down, brother. It's okay. Zacharias calms down. But watch this. But in the calmness, the next thing he says to him, watch this is he addresses the cry of Zachariah's heart. He says, for thy prayer is heard. Zacharias and Elizabeth have been praying this prayer for a long time. And in praying this prayer for a long time, they haven't experienced the fruits of their prayers. In other words, in their minds, they felt like God forgot about them. Now, you have to be mindful. They are in their 70s or 80s right now. So they have probably been praying for a kid ever since they've been young. In their 20s, 30s. They have been asking God for a son. And time has passed by and it looks like God is, hasn't listened to them at all. So what I want you to see here is that what happens is Zachariah comes to a point. where you can see when you go to the story, he actually becomes to a point where he's faithless. 
But I want you to see here that, that God, because a lot of times you and I would pray a prayer and forget about it or give up on the prayer. It doesn't mean that God hasn't heard it. And it doesn't mean that God has forgotten about it. You've always heard me say this. I've talked to you about this in the past. I said, send your prayers into the future. I always say, pray the prayer anyway. Even if you're not even sure if God would do it or not, just go ahead and ask him. Send the prayer out there and you don't have to think about it every day. Because God is faithful, you can forget about it, but he will remember it. That's the reason I, I advise you to do it. Send the prayer out there. Just ask him anyway and leave it up to him. But you don't have to think about it every day. You don't have to pray it every day. But if it comes into your heart, just ask the Lord anyway. Because you never know, he may hear your prayer and have an appointed time where he will answer it. And he might not ever answer it if you never ask. So that's what it is. So they're praying this prayer for a long time. He calms them down, but he gives them, watch this. These words are words of sweetness to Zachariah. Think about it. I would imagine that this was probably the one thing that he really wanted. In Jewish society, the one thing they always wanted is to have a son. One, they only wanted to have a kid, period. But they always wanted to have a son. Uh, and, and typically, they wanted something that they could pass on to the next, next generation because the name was carried on through the son. So you have to understand that there was probably one prayer that Zacharias and Elizabeth wanted was that. Now, let me just give you this other part. This other caveat is because they didn't have kids for a long time, Elizabeth was seen as barren. In the Jewish society, when you were barren, you were like an embarrassment. It, it looked like God was mad at you. When you were considered barren, that means the way the Jewish people looked at it is when you had children, that means that God blessed you greatly. It's interesting in the Jewish society, they actually looked at it like if God gave you children, that was greater than you being rich physically, I mean, uh, materially. If you had children, that was the greater blessing. Having money was like a lesser blessing. But they looked at it like if you had children or God blessed you with children, that's the most, that's the greatest thing that God could give you is a progeny. So you have to understand that when they didn't have children, that was an embarrassment to them. They were considered barren. When they were considered barren, you looked at it like you were cursed by God. When you had children, you were blessed by God, but not having children, you were cursed by God. So think about it now. He is a priest. His wife is the wife of a priest. They have been praying to God, asking him for children for all these years. They didn't have children. Everybody's seeing them as cursed because they're not having the thing that's considered being blessed. So they're looked at as being barren and cursed. Like their prayers have been rejected. So, so this right here shows you why the first thing the angel says to him. Is your prayers have been heard. The ones that you've been thinking that God forgot about. Or didn't hear. He heard you. So he's experiencing. Watch this. Two miracles. One. He's seeing an angel. I'm ask you. When's the last time you saw one? You may not think about this. But it's, you're blessed if an angel appears to you. That God actually will consider you worthy. For an angel to be given an assignment. To come to you. And open your eyes so that you actually can behold the, the glory of that angel that's come from the presence of God. That's a miracle by itself. Then he speaks to him, which is another blessing. But then he reveals to him God's plan, which is a, I'm saying that's a triple blessing. All of it, this man is experiencing all at one time. This is so powerful. When you think it through, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. So I want you to see that the birth of Jesus, the birth of John, this season... That's filled with hope and miracles. You can see there's miracles, signs, wonders. You can see God is moving. 
He's doing things that have never been done. He's doing things. Watch this. And he's doing it where everything is connected. But you can just see there's miracle on top of miracle on top of miracle on top of miracle. There's hope that's given on top of hope that's given on top of hope that's given on top of hope. So the first thing he does with Zachariah is he watches. He gives him this hope. He lets him know, buddy, God's been listening to you, man. And he sent me to let you know that he heard your prayer. Now watch this now. You would think that that would be enough. Now what the angel does is he goes on and explains everything. And so I want you to see this as you're looking in this story. There's just a couple of things as I'm going through when you're looking at it about the, the uh, context here. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're old people. Right? Second thing I want you to see is this is an old prayer. Think about it in your life. How many prayers do you have that are old prayers? Prayers that maybe you've prayed about them and you forgot about them. Or prayers you prayed, you just kind of gave up on them because you didn't think God was listening. The reason these stories are in the Bible, they're there to encourage us. That's why they're written. That's why they're recorded. That's the purpose of God. It's so that when you read them, they will lift your spirit. They'll let you know that you're not alone. That's why I love the scriptures, man, because they speak to us in moments where they say, other people in the Bible experience the same thing you experience. Like, you think that you're the only one that's ever felt like God didn't listen to your prayer? You think you're the only one that thinks that God's forgotten about it or wasn't listening at all? Or that that prayer was a waste of time? No, there are other people who felt the same exact way. Hannah felt the same way. You understand what I'm saying? That's the whole point. It's like you, there's different people in the Bible where you see this over and over again. And that's what this story here is a reminder of. Okay? Now, he goes on. I love what he does here. The angel, he goes on. And so these are old people. It's an old prayer. Watch this. It's an abandoned hope. Okay? It's an abandoned hope. They Think about it like this. When you're in your 20s and your 30s, you're thinking, man, this is prime. You can have children. This is the moment. Right? I'm, like, I'm physically, I'm at my prime. This is the best moment. My wife is good. I'm good. I'm at my strongest. This is the great time to produce kids right here. Right? Great time. Have a family. Have them when you're young. You know what I'm saying? And you get old. You're having grandchildren. Watch this. You draw it up that way. Right? Think about it now. You see, like, that's the perfect way, right? You get married young. You have children when you're young. Then you get older. Your kids are old. Then they have children. You have grandchildren. So when you get old, you're having grandchildren. You're bouncing them on your knee. You're telling them stories. Watch this. That's the, that's the ideal way it plays out, right? Not so in God's eyes for Zachariah and Elizabeth. God's way of drawing it up for them was, I'm going to let you pray the prayer while you're young. Then I'm going to let you abandon that hope eventually as you go on in life. But when you get old, instead of having grandchildren, I'm actually going to bless you with children for the first time. So let me just tell you this. This is why I said sometimes the challenge with God is this. You and I have a way in which we see the fairy tale playing out. And what we do is we never give way to God doing it his way. Sometimes the thing that actually makes you give up is this, that. It's because how you draw it up in your mind and you never think maybe God has a different plan. It doesn't mean that he doesn't plan on doing it. He just may not do it the way I want him to do it. I always ask myself this question. Do I want God to do it at all or do I just want him to do it my way? And if I say doing it my way would mean he doesn't do it at all. I say, well, that would actually, that would depress me. 
That would depress me if, I, if I'm stuck on God doing it my way and God says, I'm not going to do it your way, Brian, but I am willing to do it, but I'm not going to do it your way. So my question to you, Brian, is do you want it done or do you want it done your way? If you yield to me, I will do it, but I won't do it your way. Now, I can promise you, though, when I do do it, you're going to be blessed when I do it. I'm a, I can promise you, Brian, when you do it, I'm going to knock your socks off when I do it. I can promise you, Brian, when I do it, it's going to be a great day, a great moment, a great time, a great season. I can promise you that. But I am not going to promise you I'm going to do it the way you want it done. So what's your choice? Do you want it done your way or do you just want me to do it? See, when he goes like that, I say, Lord, at the end of the day, I think it through and I say, hmm. I say, so if I get stuck on doing my way, that means I don't get it at all. So I don't think I want that. I said, well, good Lord, I know you love me. So I know that when you do it, it's going to be a great moment anyway. So instead of me thinking, um, instead of me trying to be God and be like, hey, I can see everything and understand everything, which I don't. I know I'm limited. I can only really see what's in front of me. And typically, I'm only driven by the vain imaginations of my own heart of what I really want and what I want people to think about when I get it. So I say, that being said, Lord, do it your way. I want it done. Because I feel like if I if I, I know that if I just get stuck on how I want it done, that's going to lead to a great moment of depression for me. I'm riding with you. I'm riding with your faithfulness, Lord. And that's what sometimes we get stuck on and we never come to that point where you separate. Do I want it my way or do I want it God's way? When Zachariah and Elizabeth's life, God was doing it his way. He wasn't doing it their way because he would have gave them a child a long time ago. He decided to give them a child in their 70s and 80s. He did the same thing in Abraham's life. Same principle. I'm not going to give you a kid when you're young. I'm going to give you a kid when you're old. I'm going to defy the normal way of doing things. I'm going to do it my way. Why does God do it this way? Let me just tell you, this is the great secret of why God does it. He does it to demonstrate how powerful he really is. If you have children when you're young, sometimes what actually happens is you think it's just you. And you think it's just a normal way of life. And what happens is sometimes you can actually then fall short of giving God credit for what he's actually doing. So God would do it the other way to demonstrate his power. He would say, no, I'm not going to do it when you're young because you'll actually take my credit from me. You'll take my glory away. Someone will tell you, oh, because at that point, you know you cannot do it. In, your, in yourself, you know you ain't got the power to do it now. You've given up on yourself. So God says, now when I do it, you'll give me the credit. All of it. So that's what he's doing here. Now I love it, man, because now, watch this. So you're dealing with the old people. There was an old prayer. There's an abandoned hope. Now watch this now. This, this, now he explains John's birth. I love this right here, man. This is verse 14. It says, Thou shalt have joy and gladness. Talk about John. He says, Many shall rejoice at his birth. So he said, man, when John is born, when you have this child, people are going to be excited. There's going to be great joy. There's going to be great celebration. People are going to be happy. When this child is born. Now think about this. Now the opposite of it is kid is born in sadness. But God is telling them. He says, he says you just not going to have a kid man. Everybody's going to be excited. John's birth is going to be a blessing to you. It's going to be a blessing to people. There's going to be a joy that's there. That's rich. That's beautiful. That's from God. It's from heaven. Watch people going to feel it in their hearts. They're not even going to know why. So watch this. So God is saying. Zechariah. You and Elizabeth are not going to be the only ones happy. There's going to be other people when they see John, they're going to be happy too. Because watch this, John is sent from heaven to be a blessing to you, but a blessing to the whole world. Watch this now. So God is just not giving them a son like just saying, I'm going to give you a son, you know, just so you can be happy. 
God says, I got a bigger plan, man. It's a bigger plan than that. But other people are going to be happy. Watch this now. Then God speaks of not only John bringing joy, but watch this. He speaks of greatness. Verse 15. He says, and he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. So watch this. He just said, I'm going to give you a little kid so you can just grow up, you know what I'm saying, play in the dirt, you know, grow up and just be a carpenter, you know, and just die a sad life. He says, watch this. I'm going to give you a kid that's going to be great in God's eyes. The purpose of God's plan is that he will be great. Do you understand this? That the greatest cry of every person is greatness. That's the greatest cry of every single individual. Everything that we do is a cry for greatness. When you want people to look at you and see you, there's a cry for greatness. When you're desiring purpose and destiny, you want to be used, you want to experience things, you want to, you look at other people's lives and see them walking in their destiny. Really what speaks to you is your cry for greatness. It's in, every, inside of every single person. This is the reason that I always go back and read the, the blessing of Abraham. Is because the thing that God promised Abraham, the blessing of Abraham was based on God making him famous or making him great. That's what he told him. He says, if you follow me, I will make you great that the whole earth will be blessed through you he knew that abraham's cry that the, the the secret cry of his heart was for greatness this is the thing i will tell you every single human being watch this now this is the thing where we're dishonest but if you think through in your heart you know that there's a cry in your heart for greatness. You know that deep down inside, you do not want to be ignored. You know that it eats you up when people don't recognize you. You realize that inside of you, there is a cry for people to acknowledge your birth and you being created in the earth. You know that is true. If you think about it and you're honest with integrity, you understand that's true. So watch this. So what God does, he's telling them, hey, I'm not going to give you a kid. It's just not going to bring joy. Man, he's going to be great. He's going to be great in God's eyes, but he's also going to be great in people's eyes. This dude is going to be off the charts. Watch this. Then he goes on. Watch this. He speaks to him. He says, he should neither be a drink wine or strong drink. He speaks to John character. He says, man, this guy's going to be a guy of great discipline. He's going to have control over his flesh. While everybody else drinks beer, they're drinking alcohol, they're drinking wine, not John. This dude's going to be a dude, and he's going to be in control of his life. He's going to be a dude that will control his appetite. This dude will be, watch this, John's appetite was eating locusts and wild honey. He says this dude will be a dude who would have discipline, self-control. It's powerful, man. It's powerful. It speaks to John's character, okay? Watch this. And he goes on. He should be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. John, watch this, your son will be a son of miracles. He will experience something that has never been done in the history of the world. No person has ever been filled with the Holy Spirit in their mother's womb. Not even Jesus himself was filled with the Holy Spirit in the mother's womb. He was born by the Holy Spirit, but he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit until he was 30. John would be the one who experienced something that has never been experienced before. Can you see this now? Watch this. So see the miracles. See the signs. See the wonder. See the hope. That God is just doing all this, but he's speaking to to Zachariah, letting them know, man, you have been waiting a long time, but I'm letting you know that this was worth the wait. Because what you're about to experience in the son I'm going to give you, watch this, it's going to be something you would have never have imagined happening. You just wanted a son. I'm giving you a great son. You just wanted a child. I'm giving you a great child. You know what I'm saying? You just wanted somebody so you can just be like, I have a son. God says, I'm going to give you the kind of son 
that your heart would be so overfilled with joy, you're going to be scratching your head thinking, wow, I never thought God would give me anybody like this. Because God says, I want you to know that your worth, your weight was worth it. Your weight was worth it. I have to pay you back for waiting on me. And I got to pay you back with interest. This is the one of the things I would always encourage you. Why I would always encourage you to hope in God. Because if you wait, God will pay you back with interest. He won't just give you what you ask for. He will go way above and beyond what you ask for. Because he has to demonstrate to you and me that it was worth us waiting for. So he just can't go take for tack. He can't just go, you pray for this, I'm going to give you this. He has to go above and beyond it so that your heart can be encouraged that whenever you're in this place ever in the future, again, you'll say, it's worth me waiting on God. So he's got to pay you handsomely so that you can see that this reward is worth the wait. So guess what? I'm willing to wait on God. I'm not going to try to rush things. I'm going to wait for him. Okay? So you see that right there. Watch this now. Then he gives him the clear hope. Watch this. As he's speaking to him, that John would be a child of ultimate destiny. Watch this now. He says, and many children, excuse me, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Excuse me. He says that he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So watch this. So he speaks. He says, not only is this child going to bring joy, not only is this child, watch this, will he be great, not only is this child will have great character, not only will he experience something being filled with the Holy Spirit has never been done in the history of the world. He says, this child, watch will have ultimate destiny. He will fulfill the ultimate destiny of God for his life. He won't be a kid that when he have him, he's going to just float. He's going to be a kid that's going to be on, on chart, on a road of destiny. Watch this. He will fulfill the reason that God put him on the earth. His very reason for being conceived, he will, he will fulfill it all, all the way down to the end. It's, it's so powerful when you think about this, man. Ultimate purpose. So watch this now. Sometimes what it is in our lives, we want purpose that is good for us. But there is not a cry, a great cry in our hearts for ultimate purpose. Meaning the very reason God designed my life. That when he was in heaven and he was needling me together in my, mother, in my mother's womb, he was needling me together and putting me together when I was being formed. There is not a great cry that says, I want that ultimate purpose that you put me together for. The way you design my personality, my life, the, the family you put me in, the country you put me in, the city you put me in. I want the reason you put me together. That is what I want. That's the greatest cry of my heart, God. And I don't want anything less than that. Anything less than that, Lord, will make me sad. I'll be depressed about it. The reason you put me together, watch this, because if I do that, I will bring the ultimate glory to you. And guess what? I will receive the ultimate reward when I get to heaven. I don't want anything less than that. So that's what you understand. That's what the angel is saying to John. He says he will have, he will experience ultimate destiny. He will fulfill it. It's powerful, man. It's so powerful. You think about it. Watch this. He says he'll, John's job, watch this now was to prepare the way for Jesus. Now, guess what now? How did John prepare the way for Jesus? By preparing the hearts of people. When he talks about him making people ready, now what did John do? Now, watch, let's go through the story. What did John do? He baptized people. People repenting of their sins, 
Repentance means that people were turning away from their sins. Repentance means they were cleaning up their lives. And then the sign that they were, or let me go take you through the story, to take you through it so some don't understand this. John the Baptist, when he preached, he challenged people. If you go back and read John 1, he would say to the people, you need to bring forth fruit that's meat unto repentance. In other words, if you're repenting, your lifestyle needs to show it. And it says that when, when the people heard John, their hearts were convicted. They were just like, man, what do we do? Then John would tell them, hey, don't do this. Hey, stop doing this. Hey, stop doing that. And then watch this. They had to actually confess their sins out loud before they were baptized. They had to confess their sins before God. When people were there, they had to say them. And then watch this. Then John baptized them. But in the Bible, you know how we baptize where you, you take the person down with your hands and you say it under the water. The preacher does take them on the sand and bring them back up. In the, in the Bible, they didn't baptize them that way. The person, John stood there by the person. But the person actually dipped their own bodies under the water. They went straight down. They didn't go backwards. They went straight down until they were under the water completely. And then they came back up on their own. John was overseeing what was done. But that's how, the, that's how John baptized. Not the way we do going backwards and going back up. Now, the ultimate the goal is actually that you get baptized. You go under, come back up. But in the Bible times, the way John did it is people themselves went straight down. It means you kind of went like you dipped down, like you bent down until your head was covered with water. And then you came back up. So that's how John baptized. He baptized. Watch this. John's words were so powerful that his words had a purity to him. That when people heard it, that, watch this, that when they had sin in their lives, his words were filled with fire. That literally it burned sin out of people's lives. Literally it arrested people's hearts. Like it put their hearts in handcuffs. His words had that kind of power to them. It arrested their, arrested their hearts. It, it troubled them so much that when he heard them, they didn't know what to do. That's the call. That's what he's talking about. That's why he says, man, he's going to be powerful. He's going to be great. Watch this. He's going he's to get people ready for Jesus. So what John was doing was when he was preaching, he was getting people's hearts ready for Jesus. So that when Jesus came on the scene, the work had already been done. The people's hearts were already ready to hear the gospel that Jesus would preach. The people's hearts were already ready to get saved. They were already ready to let Jesus into their hearts. That's what John's job was. That's why, he had, that's why the spirit of Elijah was on him. And you have to understand that that was the call. That was his ultimate destiny. And you, when you watch John's life, you can see that's what he did. He did exactly that. So powerful, man, when you think about it, okay? Now, watch this now. Now, let's move to this part of Zechariah. It's an interesting story. As we're talking about miracles, signs, and wonders as a season of uh, miracles and hope. Watch this now. Verse 18. Look at Zechariah's response. It says, Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. You see this right here? So this is what, this is what Zechariah is saying. He said, now, you won't let me in on the secret? Like, you won't tell me how is this going to happen? Because I ain't saying this. Now, now, I know you're an angel. And think about it. At this point, Zachariah must have really had calmed down, right? <laughs> like, when the angel told him to calm down, he really calmed down because he, he questioning him. You know what I'm saying? So he, he must have came to a point where he's just like, okay, he really was comfortable. You know what I'm saying? He says, now, okay, you won't let me on a secret? You're going to tell me how this is going to happen? Because look, buddy, I'm an old man. I'm an old man. He's like, hey, my, my wife is old. I'm old. You know, this, this might have worked when I was in my 20s and my 30s. But now you're talking about 70s and 80s. It don't even make sense. 
So you won't tell me how this is going to happen because, you know what I'm saying, you let me in on it. Because, you know, now if there's a little secret, let me in. Okay, then I can just think it through and decide if I'm going to agree with that or not. That's what he's talking about. In other words, his response actually was arrogant. It was arrogant. Because watch this, that abandoned hope that was there, it really started to mess with his thinking. And this is what I always think is interesting here. I think that we suffer the same thing. I think that what Zachariah was experiencing in this moment... He was experiencing what I would call a case of hoponitis. You know, think about this, hoponitis. You know what it is like when you have tendonitis? Tendonitis is when you injure like the muscle, like your tendon that connects to the bone. And it's like an injury that you, you typically occur, like if you play sports a lot, you're injured that way, or you injure it by overuse. Like you keep using it over and over and over again. You, you damage the tendon, right? It becomes sore, it gets inflamed. And when you get tendonitis, what happens is when you get tendonitis, you, the, the, the muscle that was connected to the bone, it gets sore and it hurts when you use it. And so what happens is after you do it for a while, it hurts so bad. You ever had that? Well, it's like when you want to move it, a certain part of your body, when it hurts, like you don't even want to move it. You're like you're scared to move it because of the pain that's there. It's inflamed. It hurts. So that's why I said that Zachariah was affected with what I was saw called, called hoponitis. It is when you use your hope, but then you injure your hope. Because you reach a point where you used it before and it didn't work. You used your hope before or you used it a lot. And you felt like you were let down by God a lot. So then you don't want to use the hope anymore because when you use it, it hurts. So you don't want to use it anymore. You don't want to hope for God for anything. You just kind of like you want to just not move that part of your body because you're just like, you know what, it hurts too bad. This is where he was. He was affected with hoponitis. So he didn't want to use his hope. So that's why he's questioning God. That's why he's arrogant. Now, let's think, let's think about it now. Like God is telling him, I'm going to answer your prayer. Your prayer's heard. But that hoponitis has set into Zachariah so strong, it made him arrogant. Here's the thing you've been asking for your whole life. This is the moment of truth. And you're going to look the angel of God square in their eyes and say, really? Really? <laughs> you got to be kidding. But I want you to see this. Watch this. That every single person, I believe, will experience this at some point in time in your life. Hope of nightis will set in because you'll have those moments where you believe God, you had the hope, you were enthusiastic, and you felt like God didn't listen to you or he let you down. So you don't want to hope again. It hurts too bad. Well, I want you to see this story. I believe God wants you to see this story, to see that you're not alone. We're not alone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hopeology with Pastor Bryant Pilgrim, where we study the God of all hope so we can live a life of hope by His grace. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we invite you to follow, like, share, and support so this word can continue to go forth and change the lives of many. And remember, God sees you, and He is reaching for you today so that you can live your best life yet. Won't you reach for him too? Until next time on Hopeology with Pastor Brian Pegram, God bless.